0: KYW original podcasts.
1: This is KYW in depth. My name is Matt Leon. COVID-19 has forced political conventions to go online. So will this concept stick around? Are the days of thousands of supporters crowding into giant arenas gone forever, even after the pandemic? And how important are political conventions in this day and age? And what could they look like going forward? We wanted to try to answer these questions, so we reached out to Benjamin Berger. He is the executive director of Swarthmore College's Lying Center for Civic and Social Responsibility. He is also an associate professor of political science at the college. And we talk all things political conventions. Check it out. So as we are taping this conversation, the Democratic National Convention is underway, soon to be followed by the Republican Convention. Before we talk about the concept of virtual online conventions and what it means going forward, uh, how important overall are these political conventions in this day and age?
0: That depends on who you ask, but I think a consensus is emerging that the answer is, on balance, not that important. They do provide functions, but that function has... Kind of diffused over the years. The bump has diminished. The excitement has subsided. And so the question then is do we keep them around at all once we're able to?
1: Now, these conventions used to be dramatic with regards to floor fights and nominees, you know, presidential, vice presidential. When did it change to what we've become accustomed to, which are really partisan pep rallies on both sides? Was it a <laughs> gradual shift or was there really a moment when you can see it pivot to? Closer to what we know now.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I, I would probably locate two different in the fifties. Let's say the late fifties, and one then the one that everyone will point to really is in sixty-eight and seventy-two. The big, big changes happen. The fifties, you had technology changing, so you had the beginning of televising uh, the conventions. And on the one hand, that made them more widely accessible, and they could excite the general population and not just the people who were going to the Conventions, But on the other hand, it also made it the case that they weren't so exclusive. So television and jet travel, I would say both. Once you get uh, politicians being able to go and see each other, not just at the single convention during the year, but lots of times during the year. Once you had the chance for media to interview people, not just at that one time when they were all together, but they could fly around, they could talk on the telephone, they could see things on TV, it became not the only show in town. So that was one change technologically that both, that both made it more accessible to more people, but also made it not so much, so exclusive in terms of being the only game in town. But the thing that people really point to as the sea change that is, uh, is 6872. When the Democratic National Convention in 68, on the one hand, you had, it was kind of an embarrassment for the party. There were all kinds of, of scuffles big violent scuffles with police and protesters outside the convention. Uh, and that wasn't thought as being so desirable uh, to showcase. And it was also the time when the party insiders made these uh, sweeping changes to the rules, to the nominating rules. And so now you actually had a primary system, state by state, instead of people coming together and choosing a nominee at the convention. And once that happened, of course, that changed everything. You talk about the excitement going down. Talk about the suspense and the emotions and the fights going down. Because you're right, there were fights on the floor, physical fights, as well as as just your emotionally charged words being exchanged. And once people weren't actually going to a convention to try to figure out who the candidate was going to be, well, then the need to tune in, the need to follow them subsided as well. I also mentioned that, you know, for a while, actually in the 70s, after that democratizing uh, change, you actually had attention spiking because it was a combination of people knowing what happened in 68 and wanting, therefore, to tune into this event in the mid-70s to see, you know, what it was all about. And they were widely available via television. So the fact that you could see them on television and the fact that there had been drama recently got people tuning in. And there was actually a big bump in voter turnout and voter attention in the mid-70s right after the convention. That has subsided over time. Uh, and that's so why I, I would locate really, again, sixty eight seventy two as as the big, big difference.
1: So we are in the midst, as I mentioned, virtual conventions. How effective can these be?
0: Yeah, I mean, I like to think about all kinds
1: of political
0: events in terms of the functions that they serve and the costs and benefits of achieving those functions right so the function that the conventions were originally intended to serve which we just talked about of choosing a candidate that's no longer there and the function that they used to serve of having political insiders come together and talk to each other exclusively in one big event, and talk to the media in one big event, that's no longer there either. The functions that are still there are education for the general population, entertainment for the general population also. One of the purposes might be, and was for some while, to get voters engaged. It's really hard to do. It's really hard to get citizens' attention focused on, on politics for any length of time. And one way that we can do that is through emotions and pageantry and suspense that used to be present in conventions would do that. They would ac- actually focus people's attention for a while because they're the fights you talk about. There were, it was the only game in town also. There wasn't any other big political event. And that's really no longer a function because in part, because the election starts so much earlier. We've been do- dealing with this election since the democratic primaries, right? And all those speeches, and there can be a kind of fatigue that sets in. So I don't think that education and galvanizing people through excitement is really a function any longer. They can inform people, absolutely, but they're not the only way to do that. So what else? Well, economic impact. Some people say, well, hey, the city that holds it will have a positive economic impact. But even that's kind of been questioned. The cities aren't fighting any longer to to be the one hosting the convention, because yes, there's a Big economic bump, $160 million, $180 million depending on the year in the city. But it's really narrowly focused on hospitality industries, or hotels and restaurants and stuff. And, and in some ways, it's balanced out by the loss of other businesses in the city because people stay home from work to avoid all the hassle. And so it's not even clear there's a big negative, positive impact. The main function that they would still serve and that I think is a useful thing is social capital and networking for the insiders who are there and that you can't do virtually that's really difficult to do virtually and that's why I would not be surprised to see there being some kind of hybrid model emerging eventually if we're able to go back in person but changed but different so that party insiders can get together and network talk make connections uh, and so on as far as how, how effective they can be online for educating people, I think reasonably good. If you look at last night's opening uh, you know, convention night for the Democrats, I saw some commentators comparing it to a, an infomercial and to a telethon. A few different commentators use those terms, which is true, but it's kind of missing the point that they've been that way for a long time. It was in 96, Ted Koppel, live from the Republican National Convention, criticized it and called it an infomercial, live on on TV. So that's been going on for a long time. The pageantry has been staged. The information has already been scripted. The party platforms have largely been scripted already. And I don't see any reason why you couldn't do that remotely like they did last night and have some education and some entertainment just as well as you could do in person or almost as well especially once the parties get better at doing it. This is a first try, and I think they could do some of that. The speeches can still be moving. I thought Bernie Sanders' speech was still mm-hmm. moving and still had passion, even though there weren't people all around you know, cheering it on. So I think they can be reasonably effective in that way. The way I would want to just think about it is, how effective have they been in recent years anyway? They're only as effective as how many people tune in, and they're only as effective as the emotions and the interest that are generated. And we've seen in recent years that the polling bump that candidates get right after the, the convention, that subsided. It used to be really big. The candidate who was chosen would get a big, big bump in the polls. That's subsided in recent years. And so has general voter engagement. It's no longer way higher for a period after the convention. So in that chase and oh, I think that virtual things can do pretty much as good a job as the in-person version. What they can't do is social capital and networking.
1: You mentioned a hybrid model going forward, and that was kind of my my next question. So you think that this kind of marks the end of the full-blown week in a city convention, uh, or do you, you think we'll see the little bit of it back in the post-COVID-19 world, but They'll take the best parts of this virtual idea and maybe shorten it, condense it. Only a certain, only certain people would, would come to the town. Uh, kind of expand on your idea or your thought on the hybrid model.
0: Well, one thing I would say is that it's become very uh, difficult to predict stuff, even a week out, let alone years out, right? For all of us. It's that, that March seems like a super long time ago already. And it used to be the case that the world changed every single day in ways you couldn't predict it. Now maybe it's every week. So, Whatever I'm going to say, I just want to say that yeah, that prediction is subject to a lots of other changes. But if I had to to put on that that uh, prognostication or guessing role, I would guess that there's going to be an in-person version in the future, but greatly diminished, not necessarily a week-long thing. So I think of higher education and the associational of Member uh, American Political Science Association and the American Psychological Association. So those are conventions that first of all, don't last a week. they are several days and a lot of people come into town, a lot of professors who join for those things come into a given city for two days, three days. So there's that, that which is something that could happen at, a, at a, uh, a nominating convention as well. I'm gonna guess that something like that would happen again for insiders. And I'm also gonna guess that some of the, the function won't be televised at all and that they will try to focus on the big speeches the really biggest speeches when there's palpable excitement uh, in person because people do still traditionally tune in to watch those things so i'm going to guess that a lot of the stuff people will try to do online but it's a little some people talk about sports as a comparison and say that yeah the excitement's not there at the, the the sixers playoff game last night with the celtics when there is a you know, free throw shooting, you can see the virtual fans behind that and it's not the same and it seems kind of lame. And that's true. But also you we've seen you can do sports without spectators. It's not quite the same thing, but you can do it. Right? But the reason why I don't think the comparison also is that apt is that sports fans really are energized and they are passionate. And so seeing them present can be a galvanizing thing if I'm watching sports on TV and there are fans present. We all know that the pageantry at these conventions is staged. The people there know what's going to happen. They're not—they don't have the emotion of anger or of, of tension or that uh, or really palpable excitement. And so, watching them waving their little placards, the television viewers are dumb. We know that it's staged, and so I don't think that that part is going to be uh, so necessary to, to recreate in person. And I don't think that TV networks are going to feel the need to televise that stuff. I think a better comparison than sports is actually higher education, that we're, colleges are so desperate to try to have students in person for a lot of reasons. Of course, they, they want to be able to preserve jobs of all the on-campus people, not just faculty, but of, of all the people who provide services on campus. But really because... The educational function of college happens a lot outside the classroom. So much of it is students' interactions with each other and students' extracurricular pursuits uh, and just living life away from parents. All the things that happen outside the classroom can't be simply recreated. And I think that is a little bit like how I would, would want to analogize political conventions. There are some things that happen outside the speeches and outside of reaching out to the general population and trying to energize those, like the network, like the social capital. And those are the things that I think people will still want to have in the future. It's just that you can do those on a much smaller scale.
1: Would it be better for democracy, better for the country, if whatever form these conventions took, if there was more on the line, if it was a little bit more like it was 100 years ago? And I say that meaning now you have primaries, you have, it's actually citizens voting that are determining nominees, and I don't know what the answer would be. But would it be better overall if this bright light was shown and we got to see some of the sausage-making and, and there was more uncertainty as to what certain outcomes were going to be?
0: My basic answer is yes. I think it's a good thing to have both excitement at the national level uh, and also some of the functions that political conventions played actually did not shine a bright light on the sausage making. There was the sausage making in the so-called smoke filled back rooms. That wasn't entirely a bad thing because it generally ensured that you didn't have candidates who couldn't get along with the party nationwide, And with the primary system, as it is now, the benefit is it's, it's somewhat more democratic it's officially way more democratic citizens actually do vote for the candidates, but we all know there's all kinds of problems with that. It's not really the person necessarily who has the majority of people in the country in that party who comes out with the nomination. It's all, there's all kinds of things relating to which States have their primaries, when, and how much money can be raised and who runs out of money. And so it's still not entirely great from a democratic perspective, but you have the prospect of having people win the nomination can't get along with the rest of the party. I think the old, the old system had some advantages in that way of getting party insiders in a way that wasn't totally democratic coming together and coming with a compromise. We all know, too, that it wasn't, the recent, recently is not the only time when we've had dark horse candidates emerge. They emerge from the old fashioned conventions too, but they tend to be bland dark horse candidates, not polarizing ones, right? You had uh, Warren Harding, James Garfield, these are people who weren't shake it up uh, presidents. And it's sometimes fine to have presidents who aren't, who aren't shake it up. What's emerged more recently is the prospect of getting people who are dark horses, who are uh, outsiders and who can't work with other uh, party officials and, and representatives. And that's something I think that the old conventions did, you know, pretty, pretty reasonably. So that's not really speaking to the, the really legitimate question about whether it's good to have that sort of spectacle and the engagement Uh, nationwide. That's just more about what functions do they play in terms of choosing a candidate. And there are some things I think might have been better the old way. We're not about to go back to that, though. And so as far as whether it would be great to have a combination where there really was emotion and pageantry because you didn't know who was going to be selected, and yet also democratization where way more people could tune in because of like television, that might be a good thing to try to go back to. It's just gonna be very difficult to to recapture that. I'm not at all convinced that we will do that in the the post-COVID age. But having something like a national celebration or a national day or two in which people are really psyched psyched and stoked and get
1: energized is a good thing for politics.